Welcome to OB Boss Babes, where we showcase female entrepreneurs, working professionals, community builders, and boss babe biz owners that share their stories so that others can feel inspired, empowered, and connected to other women in business. We are the must-listen podcast for entrepreneurs throughout the Ottawa Valley, Lanark County, and the Pontiac. Here at our Boss Babes face behind the scenes, as we dive into real and brutally honest conversations about different industries, how women are smashing stereotypes, balancing motherhood, and are building successful businesses. This is OB Boss Babes. The township of Madawaska Valley is known for its natural beauty, heritage, culture, outdoor recreation, and exceptional quality of life for all residents and visitors. You can work, live and play within our boundaries and enjoy the beauty your way. And they're excited to support small businesses. When you shop in Madawaska Valley, your dollars stay in the community. And did you know that for every $100 spent at locally owned businesses, $68 will stay in your neighborhood? Small businesses are at the heart of our community. Help them with more than just shopping local. Buy a gift card, write reviews, and send referrals to their door or website. Word of mouth is the best advertising you can buy and a great way to bring in new customers. It's time you visited Madawaska Valley to see if you too will stay for a lifetime. Hello, 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 and welcome to the OV Boss Babes podcast. Now, I tend to go through Barry's Bay quite often with my family. We've got my in-laws that are about four hours away. And for the longest time, I saw this old historic hotel that had an eerie look to it. And I always thought, oh my gosh, this looks spooky. It looks haunted. I'm super intrigued and interested. I'm talking about the Balmoral Hotel. And so I went in, I looked around, I met with the former owner and I was like, is this place haunted? Is there a story behind here? I really want to know the history. And and she would not talk to me. She would not give me too much inside uh, information about that. But lo and behold, there is a new owner in town and she has taken over the hotel. Please welcome Liz Woozy to OB Boss Babes. Hi, Holly. Thanks for having me on your show. Now, Liz, in December 2021, you purchased the historic Balmoral Hotel from the previous owners who were retiring, which is a really interesting gift to yourself for Christmas. So here are the keys to the gift of entrepreneurship, but this is actually not your first rodeo. You've kind of dabbled in entrepreneurship before, according to my research. Yes. My first business I started in my early thirties and that was a magazine. And then I did another magazine and then I did a distribution company. And then I started exhibiting at some of the sex shows in Toronto. And then I went out West and then looking for more shows to do. Um, I started my own. So I was doing events for a number of years. And now I find myself the owner of a hotel and a restaurant. Yeah, yes, you do. Now, Liz, tell everybody what exactly you were selling and what kind of shows you were hosting. Oh, because everybody wants to go there first. <laughs> so the show was called Sex of Palooza. Uh, the first year we had it in Ottawa and Hamilton. And then over the years, I expanded to Columbus, Ohio, did one in Minneapolis, one in Seattle, uh, London, Ontario. Uh, we did one for many years in Toronto, out by the airport at the International Centre. I did one in Niagara Falls. We went to Montreal, although that one lost me money, so we didn't go back there. Um, so I have to go back. So, so the second magazine that I had was a fetish magazine. It was Canada's fetish magazine called Whiplash. And from that, one of my advertisers asked me if I would start distributing his sex toys because I was already in all of these stores across Canada. So I picked up his line and another line and I started distributing. Um, and then from that, I started exhibiting at the Everything to Do with Sex Show downtown Toronto, but they were only doing the one show. And I wanted, I made good money that weekend. I made very good money that weekend. So I got it in my head to do my own show. If you can think of like a home show or a boat show or a wedding show, that is like a trade show, but the categories or or it's about sex or sexual mm -hmm. things or um, well basically anything to do with sex. Right. I would rent um, a facility which normally was um, you know a convention center kind of thing. So we're looking thirty to fifty thousand square feet and make up a floor plan. Um, I would sell space to exhibitors and then we would advertise and people would come. And it was 15 or $20 to get in. And we'd have live entertainment. We'd have seminars. 
we'd have uh, videos showing. Um, there'd always be a bar and food area. So that's what I put on. That's that's what Sex Occlusa was. So it was like a big party, mm-hmm. definitely, because we'd have the lights down low and there'd be you know loud music and whatnot. But it basically was a trade show. What was the reception like from the public at the time? Because now sex is so accepted. But I mean, like there was still a lot of backlash from from playboy from shows like the girls next door like societal standards were really different back then well we're not going back that far we're talking my first show was in 2008 okay um and i actually stopped doing them because well the internet kind of killed it because people would come into my into the booths and look at a product and then they'd look it up online and say oh i can get it five dollars cheaper and learn all about the product from the salesperson and then they would just order it like a lot of my exhibitors were finding that so I was losing exhibitors over time and also yes sex became a lot more mainstream at the beginning it was something new and exciting and also it was kind of the boomers kind of pushed that Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of them were into their second marriages and my god we see people come through and you could tell that they were a new couple but they were in their 40s and the guy would pull out you know, the black Amex and they buy three, $400 worth of products in the booth. It was mm-hmm. crazy. People were spending money like, like water yeah. at the shows. We really saw the shift though, too, with the, uh, with the show sex in the city as well. And really normalizing sexual conversations about what goes on behind closed doors. Like oh, yeah. that was show like was huge, really yeah. taboo. Yeah. Yeah. But the funny thing is that Europeans would come over and they'd be like, oh, we've, we've been doing this for years, for decades. <laughs> like, it's not a big deal. And and I really felt like like Europeans were like sort of older and then then sort of Canada came in and then the U.S. because I found that my Canadian shows were much more open. I didn't have any problem with uh, local officials with it or anything. So, yeah, for Sex in the City, I think that's why it was such a big deal down there. Right. It's like they were just younger in their thinking. They weren't as progressive. They weren't as liberal yes. as that, Canadians are. That's a great way to put it. Yes, they definitely were not as progressive. We've come we've come a long way. Yeah, like my kids are all in their 30s. And I mean, the stuff, well, the internet, a 14-year-old now knows what every aspect of a woman's body looks like, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I'm 60. When I was a teenager, it was still very private it was still very taboo it was still very hush hush um it was much more titillating than it is today so totally. things have changed they yeah. definitely have so liz how did you stumble across this this opportunity to purchase this investment piece this investment hotel oh the balmoral yes I, it's pretty simple i was um i'd stopped doing the shows i was sort of semi-retired bored out of my mind staying at home doing some volunteer work um not working so I put on some weight which wasn't nice and one day opened up the Peterborough paper because I'm from I was living in Peterborough at the time been down there for ages and saw the picture of the Balmoral in the real estate section and went oh look at that that's kind of cool the price like the price seemed very reasonable to buy a huge hotel on just over an acre so I called up a friend of mine and said, let's take a drive up to Barry's Bay. I had never even heard of Barry's Bay. Like, I didn't even know really what was north of Bancroft. Um, came up with a friend and uh, I think that was in July or August. And by December, I had bought it. I just even pulling up and seeing the building and it was in kind of rough shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and inside was, it was just very messy. I could, mm-hmm. But I could see the potential. The potential was so huge and it was within my budget and I knew that I could buy it and then have enough money to fix everything up, put in a new kitchen. Um, I figured I'd spend about 150000 getting it into shape, which is pretty much what it cost the first year. That is so interesting. I was really curious about how you came across this opportunity, Liz, and if you were actually from Madawaska Valley and you just had seen this opportunity, but you had come from Peterborough. Had you owned any other properties before? Well, I don't um, always own my own house, of course. Um, mm-hmm. I bought my first ho- house when I was in my 20s, I guess. Um, and then I bought a fourplex in Peterborough back in 2007 or something um, because I I was tired of paying rent for my business. 
And so I started looking around for commercial property, found this place, which was, as people would tell me, was in the armpit of Peterborough because it was right by GE. It was where prostitutes would work. Uh, there was a lot of drug dealers down there, but I had two apartments and then I had my offices down below and there was a little parking lot, which actually a prostitute used to work. And I used to go out at the end of the night and say, because she would ask me if, you know, if I wanted a date and I'd say no. And I didn't want one last night. I didn't want one the night before. And could you please just go somewhere else? <laughs> um, so yeah, so I owned that for many, many years. Um, so I had a little bit of an idea of what it would be like to, to own rental properties because there's apartments up on the third floor here. Okay. Um, but as far as renting as running a restaurant hotel, no idea, but I didn't know how to run a show either. And I didn't know how to run a magazine and or a distribution company. And you learn. Yeah. You just you just learn. You just throw yourself into it. And honestly, I bought three books off Amazon, how to run a restaurant, read them cover to cover, um, <laughs> which might sound crazy, but uh, I learned a lot. And then you talk to people and you make mistakes along the way. There's things that if I was doing this today, I would do differently, of mm -hmm. course, but you just make a decision. This is a project I'm going to do and do it. Yep. That's how most entrepreneurs go into business themselves too. They just kind of stumble across an opportunity and they're like, well, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to learn. Exactly. And I won't be here forever. Um, I'm already talking with my accountant about what's the next business going to be that, that I run. Good for you. Because, well, eventually... I know myself, eventually I'll get bored of doing this, even though there's lots of moving parts, which is something that I need in my life. Mm -hmm. With the magazine, there were lots of moving parts, selling advertising, getting the content, doing the distribution. Um, with the shows, of course, there was tons, you know, the floor plan, selling it, dealing with the facilities, doing the advertising, because I did pretty much everything myself. And this is the same thing. There's a restaurant, there's a hotel rooms, there's the apartments up on the third floor. Um, there's the events that we do now. We did, we brought drag queens in, in the spring. That was a big deal here. Oh my God. I know. I want to talk about that. I doubt <laughs> we definitely need to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Death threats there too. Oh my God. <laughs> I was so proud. Okay. You know what? We might as well just talk about this now, Liz. I was so proud of you for doing that because not only is that a big step, but it's a big step in a small rural community where there might be backlash, but you went right ahead with it. And the response really, for the most part was positive. And something so different that I have never seen brought to Barry's Bay before. So you have to understand that I did the drag shows for me. I didn't do it for anybody else. I did it for me. And it was a business decision. I always had a drag queen as one of my MCs at the shows. So I had contacts with them and I had, I don't know, I guess knowledge and experience and background with them so I called I called a couple that I knew who were busy couldn't make it that weekend ended up getting a hold of um, somebody out of Ottawa who then brought one of her friends and I just went ahead with it I didn't really think about to be honest how the community would react because this sounds terrible but I didn't really care if people were against it because as far as I'm concerned this is my place I work 12 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, I took a day off beginning of July and that was the last time I had a day off. I'm here every day working really hard and I have created something in Barry's Bay. And if you don't like what I'm doing one night, well, I don't care. Go away. Just, just don't come. Don't buy the ticket. And that's what I told a lot of people who were not happy with the fact that I was bringing drag queens to Barry's Bay. Now, having said that, when we put the tickets up for sale for the first night and I was just going to do it a Sunday night because that's a quiet night and I figured you know we'd see how it would go not sure if it would sell out we sold out in 24 hours I saw that 75 tickets so I put in a second show and those tickets sold out in 36 hours and then I had people calling for weeks right like right up until the weekend of the shows asking for tickets I also got a lot of negative press about it there was a lot of comments on Facebook and people I actually got four letters written to me um like actual handwritten letters and put in an envelope and mail to the the hotel basically saying that they didn't like what I was bringing to Barry's Bay 
and that it, they don't agree with that lifestyle and um, well, very homophobic, basically. Mm-hmm. And there was one day that <laughs> it was one day I went to the post office and I must have just been really tired. And there was a letter in there and I opened it up and they had put most the other three letters. They didn't even put a return address and they didn't put their name on it. But these people did. So I got in my truck and I drove to their house and I knocked on the door. And they came to the door. It was an older couple. And I introduced myself and uh, said, I got your letter. And I thought I would come over and talk to you about this. And we proceeded to have a conversation. Neither of us changed each other's mind about it. But I did say to her, like, I work really hard. I have worked really hard to do this. And this is one night that I want to do. I want to do. I think it would be fun. I think it would be great for my staff. And who are you? to tell me what I can and can't do on the property that I pay the mortgage on, that I work hard for. You have no right. I'm not doing anything illegal. It's just for God's sakes. It's, it's, it's men in costumes. Mm -hmm. And they said, Oh, well, it puts down women. I said, but I'm a woman and I don't see it that way. Mm -hmm. Not at all. Mm -hmm. So you're allowed your opinion, but I'm also allowed my opinion and my rights and That was really big of you, Liz, to take the time out of your day to go over and have that conversation and explain, you're not my boss. I don't report to you. This is my business, my establishment. I can do what I want. If you don't like it, don't come. Yeah. And we have great food here and great service here. And everybody's so happy that the Balmoral is up and going now. So for these people to send me horrible emails and and I got a lot of emails too about it um you know those what did I say those keyboard warriors mm-hmm. you know who are so quick to sit down and write something but to do a face-to-face I have more respect for somebody to come in and talk to me than somebody who's just sending me an email or something on Facebook if you have a real problem with this you should come in and talk to me Liz did you ever second guess your decision to host that event Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because I was a little bit worried that after, after the event, um, our business would just die. But if anything, it was the opposite. Um, and people were really behind it and they were so thankful and like grateful that I was bringing something so different to Barry's Bay. But I mean, I'm used to controversy. (laughs) That's the first time. It's nice to see something different though being offered. And again, like in a community that has never seen something like that before being brought to, to their town. Oh, and it was a great night. People had such a good time. Yeah. One of the issues that some people had was that we've got big windows and that anybody driving by with their children would be able to look in and see what was going on, which was just basically lip syncing to music and dancing. And then, um, you know, they'd be on the, on the mic and, and telling some jokes and talking about things. And I mean, it was, it was, it was just a show, right? So to appease those people, um, we took some old hotel bed sheets and cut them up. And I was just going to put them up like white to cover the windows. And my daughter was talking to her and she said, Oh mom, why don't you tie dye them? Make them at least look a little jazzy. So we did that. We tie dyed them and it just changed the whole look of the inside of the room. It just be, made it look really fun and colorful and happy, I guess, with all of those colors. Because we did some blue and purple and others red and orange and yellow. And it was it was just, it was marvelous. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Now, Liz, my next question for you. When is the next one? Before Christmas. I yeah. haven't booked them in, but probably sometime in November we'll do it again. But we'll do it like a probably a Friday, Saturday night, because that's one thing, because it was I I did not think that it was going to be that successful um, to, to sell out on a Sunday and a Monday night. Yeah. So we'll move it to like a Friday, Saturday and or maybe a Saturday, Sunday. I'm not sure yet. Yeah. Now, despite being over a century old, the Balmoral was actually the second hotel to be built in Barry's Bay and is currently one of the oldest buildings in town. But Liz, when you when you take over a business, you also inherit the history, right? So can you give us a little <laughs> bit of the history of the hotel and some of the memories that surrounded it back in its early days? 
So I don't know tons about it, to be perfectly honest. I do know that the Billings um, had it built and the Billings or someone from their family ran it right up until 1996 when the previous owners to me bought it. It was quite the going concern when it was first bought because, of course, the the train line came right across the street, which is now the snowmobile trail. Um, so it was a it was a stop. It was very busy. Um, there was a fire here once that I, I think they were bringing a, a prisoner. I don't know from Ottawa to somewhere or from somewhere to Ottawa, and he started a fire in his room in an attempt to escape. Um, there's been actually a couple of fires in the building here over the years. I think it kind of died a little bit when they lost the train station. I know that for many years, the upstairs, well, all, all the hotel rooms and the third floor, which are now apartments, were were single rooms rented out to widow widowers um, who were on pensions and the Billings family. It was almost like a retirement home mm. for these older men who couldn't afford to have a house or to live on their own and they would come here which I think was pretty special that it was the Billings family sort of looked after all of these men for so many years and then as the years progressed then it more so became like then a hotel and then as well as the restaurant and then that was really it I guess right like when did when did that kind of transformation happen I think that when when um, when Iris and Frank bought it in 96, I don't think that the restaurant had been running. I think that they reestablished the restaurant at that point and they spent a year renovating. They redid the outside of it um, with the cedar that's on there now. They put in the wraparound porch. They put in the patio. I don't know if that was all done the first year or over the next few years because there's a huge patio down running the east side of the building, which is gorgeous. Um, it's it's packed all summer long. Um, and they, they ran the restaurant for 10, 12, maybe 14 years, I think. Um, and then Frank got ill. I'm not sure if I'm right on the timelines here and, and maybe they just lost interest in the place. And, you know, when you're running the same business for 10, 14 years, that's people get bored. Right. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of died off a little bit. It was more of a bar than a restaurant. Um, it, it was, yeah, definitely a bar. I mean, there was a pool table, mismatched furniture, which I got rid of when I bought the place. Mm -hmm. um, and then COVID hit. And I think that was sort of like, that was it. That was the end of it. They just shut everything down and walked away and just ran the hotel rooms during those years. Thanks for tuning in to the OV Boss Babes podcast. We're going to hear from our sponsors. Stick around. We'll be right back. Brown Pressure Treated Lumber and Accessories have arrived at Mike's Hardware. With the warmer weather and longer days, there's no better time to start that new deck or fence. Don't need Brown Pressure Treated? That's okay. We sell pine lumber, interior and exterior doors, molding and trim, vinyl flooring, side and cabinet hardware, and so much more. Call 613-735-1928 or 613-639-2041. And remember, nothing says you care like lumber doors and hardware. The Ottawa Valley Tourist Association is the destination marketing organization for Renfrew County. They will lead your path to outdoor adventure, scenic strolls, open roads, rustic artisans, and more. As an advocate for over 250 tourism businesses, accommodations and events, they will put you in touch with the locals who craft experiences for every wanderer, every season. Beyond marketing, the Ottawa Valley Tourist Association provides members training and business development, workforce recruitment and networking opportunities. The Ottawa Valley Tourist Association is the voice of tourism in Renfrew County and represents the interests of the tourism sector at the regional, provincial and federal levels. If you are a tourism business or event or a supplier whose services to the tourism industry, consider joining the Ottawa Valley Tourist Association tourism family. Membership is free and benefits begin as soon as you join. 
To become a member and to help visitors find their next path to explore, get in touch at info at ottawavalley.travel. Hey, it's Coach Sam. I'm a certified nutrition and fitness coach, and I help women get in the best shape of their lives without giving up their favorite foods or good times on the weekends. I'd love to connect with you. Join my community on Instagram. You can find me at underscore Coach Sam, where I share practical tips, real life advice, and a little bit of humor when it comes to fitness and nutrition. You are listening to the OV Boss Babes podcast. Now, Liz, I love learning about historic buildings and the history of of small towns and anything that's haunted. Like I was saying at the beginning of, of this podcast, I love doing research across Ontario. And if I can convince my husband to jump in the car and, and go check it out with me on those days, he will. But I did a research looking into like a ton of different haunted areas and, and buildings in Ontario and the Balmoral wasn't one of them. But since taking over the business, have you experienced any spooky or unexplained things that have happened or or seen any paranormal activity going on? That's funny you should ask. I actually saw a ghost when I was 17. My parents had just moved out to the country and it was on the road. I was riding my bike and it was on the road and it was a woman and just like you would imagine a ghost kind of filmy with a big, big hoop skirt dress kind of on floating above about two feet above the, the bottom of her skirt I could see underneath so I do believe in ghosts because I've seen one mm-hmm. but here I haven't felt anything my cleaner has Janet says that there's been a couple of times that she's felt something going into a room but I had this conversation with somebody recently and I realized like the Valley Manor which is just around you know here and you think that because that's a nursing home and they have so many people who die there. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be much more likely to be haunted than here? That's true. That's true. What but do you think about it? I no, it's very, very true. But you think are... retirement homes would be the the places yeah. where all the ghosts would hang out, right? <laughs> it's true. Not... <laughs> no, it's so true. But I mean, it is one of the like one of the oldest, oldest buildings in all of Barry's Bay. So that's what I always assume. And I know for a fact, after talking to the former owner, uh, Corinne Higgins, who originally owned the, uh, the Wilno Tavern, she told me some ghost stories off the, off the podcast though. Oh, did she? Oh, she did. Of the Wilno Tavern. There all was... the time. I'm going to ask Does she? Her. Oh, you'll have to tell her yeah. I say hi. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that, uh, that building is definitely haunted. And so that's why I was so curious about, about this one. Yeah. I haven't, not, I mean, I've only been here a year and a half, right? So yeah, there's still time. <laughs> yeah. And I have my dog with me the whole time. He's, he's barely, he barely leaves my side. So I don't know if you've that got makes some protection. <laughs> yeah. Now Liz, after purchasing the building, you went to town renovating and making some changes and one being the name, like the logo itself. So now the Balmoral is known as Bistro and brew pub along with a new logo new menu and new and exciting events which we talked about earlier so can you share with us all of the changes that you've implemented since taking over oh my god such a long list well yes there's new signage let's start from the outside new signage outside even down to like the parking signs are there the tenant tenant parking signs all those little things you know painted the front door as you walk in what was the office is now my staff room and there's lockers in there so people can lock their stuff away properly as you go into the restaurant it was dark it was painted dark brown and burgundy on the ceilings i've changed that to like a light mossy green that alone changed the look of it and the feel of it dramatically i couldn't believe how much changing the inside color made to the whole place um I pulled out all of the furniture. It was, like I said, it was just mismatched dining room tables and chairs. Sold the pool table, um, had all new furniture put in. We kept the bar fridge is original from the 1930s because where the restaurant is, that was actually an addition put in in the 1930s. And so the bar fridge, the big doors or wooden doors are gorgeous. Um, We kept that, of course. The kitchen ripped everything out, all of all of the all of the equipment that was in there was 20 years old when Iris and Frank put it in 25 years ago. So, and I found that out because we were looking for a part and I actually sent a picture of, of something 
to the manufacturer and they were like, it's okay, we haven't made this since like the sixties or it's like, this is wow. so old. You're not going to anyway. So it all went and I bought all brand new, everything in the kitchen for that. Um, and then of course, all new cutlery, glasses, dinnerware, like everything. Like I just, there was very little that I kept. I just, everything was brand new. And of course, the labor to do all of that work was quite a bit too. Mm -hmm. uh, health department came in and there were a couple of things that were wrong that we had to fix, like uh, having enough sinks at the bar and some flooring here and there. And it's funny at the time, there was just so much to do. And yet once it's done, the only major thing that I can look at and say, yeah, this is this was a change, was the paint color, the furniture and the new equipment in the kitchen. And yet it was weeks and weeks of work to get it ready and making decisions. Like even down to, I hate, I hate, I hate cheap restaurant cutlery. It yeah. drives me crazy. I hate when I've spent $35 on a meal and they give me a fork that the tines are all bent up. And it's like, seriously, you can't even afford good cutlery. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing that I wasn't going to skimp out on we've got like really really nice expensive cutlery here you want to make it a nice experience when people come in that they're like this is welcoming this is new this is like a nice place that I want to come in and dine out with my family or friends now Liz you do have some diehards though in the community who you know like they've been going to the Balmoral for years and they recognize they recognize the furniture that's there in the paint color so how was the response from the community after these changes were made well, there were many different responses. Uh, so when in the middle of while we were working on it, um, there were some older men that would come in and they would just point to a bar stool and say, that's my stool right there. And I'd say, okay. Um, but I, I, I did not want this to be a dive bar. I wanted this to be a really nice restaurant. And um, so they don't really come in. They might've come in for one drink and then realize that the place has changed. Mm -hmm. What has been hard for me is to then get all of the people who saw it as a dive bar to walk through the door and just try it once. And um, I, I think we're getting there, even though, I mean, I meet people in the community and they say, well, yeah, my parents still won't go to the Balmoral because it's the hotel and it's still has that stigma attached to it. But like today, just before we started this, three three women in their I'd say late 70s came in first time coming in they'd heard that our poutine was awesome and so we chit-chatted about that and they walked in and I could tell they were a little bit a little bit of trepidation about coming into the Balmoral but they had heard that this dish was really good and so they have come in for lunch for the first time so to me that's that made my day like that's to, a win to have that's yes, to have three women who obviously are from the community, have lived here forever and ever coming in for the first time because they never would have been, they would never would have been seen at the Balmoral maybe mm. 10 years ago because it, because it was a bar back then. Yeah. But now they're the three of them are coming up for lunch and they're trying this out and hopefully we'll see them again in another week or two. And, you know, that ice has been broken. Yeah. That's been really hard to get past that. Liz, you have such a challenging but yet interesting take on this because you are somebody who's not from the community. You're bringing in a whole new perspective, new ideas, new mindset of what, what your restaurant and hotel should look like. And when you make those changes, you do ruffle some feathers, but you're also welcoming welcoming new um new blood into the building too that like you had said that have never stepped in the door because they didn't feel like they were included or welcomed or that they didn't belong there and uh it's it's really interesting to see how how you've been able to do that you know without like you know while also being like change is a good thing we need to be progressive we need to move forward we're not stuck in this in the 70s and 80s like let's keep going let's move forward here I think it's really helped that I'm not from here because I don't have aunts and uncles and cousins telling me how I should do things and how they want it done. I do it how I want it done. And most of my decisions are, are, are based on the business. What's good for the business, except for the drag show. That was more, I think that would be a fun night for me. <laughs> that wasn't really a, although 
we make great money those two nights. So kind of wise a business, you know, end up being great business wise. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm older. I have a thicker skin. I don't really, I listen to what people say, but I make my own decisions. I mean, I'm not the smartest person in the room, but I have a strength of character to say, this is how I want it done. Mm-hmm. And this is how it's going to be done. Mm-hmm. And I bumped heads with a few of my staff members over that. But in the end, I'm the one writing the check for the mortgage. That's right. And so things are done my way. Mm-hmm. Even if it's something silly, like how my Caesar is made. We make the Caesar the same way all the time. And don't be doing it your way because that's not the Balmoral way. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to talk about the hotel rooms too, Liz, before we move on to the next thing, because they were quite outdated with an 80s style look. So have oh, you made God, any, yes. right? So yes. have you made any renovations or or any other uh, like upgrades to the rooms? I've done some little things because honestly, that was going to be, uh, I, it's going to cost me quite a bit of money. I'm, I'm probably 75 to $100,000 to redo the rooms. Um, so that has to wait or had to wait until I'd made some more, made some money from this summer. I added, I added a few things like I changed the shower curtains and I added some more hooks and, uh, all of the doorknobs and the, and the entry to all the rooms were these old fashioned crappy gold brass ones. They've all been changed to proper punch codes, um, nice black handles. Um, the, I upgraded the linens and stuff, but, um, Everything else needs to be done. And I've got a contractor coming in in November. He'll be here for, I don't know, maybe four or five weeks. There's two of them coming up. And we're just going to go room by room, redo the flooring, redo the, um, there's paneling on a lot of the walls. We're going to rip that down and put up drywall properly. I've got an idea of of doing built-in platform beds with night tables um, that are sort of built in. And then I'm going to stain them a dark dark brown and get new, new, bedspreads for everything the furniture is all going to go because the furniture came out of a hotel back in the 90s that the previous owners bought so it was the furniture in the rooms is like 40 or 50 years old it's so it's very very outdated and the curtains anyway so I've done a few little things just to make it look prettier but full renovations will happen over the winter and I cannot wait to rip out the carpets and put in laminate or I'm not quite sure we're going to put on but yeah to get rid of the carpeting and to upgrade everything and yeah you've got a big job ahead of you the rooms are clean don't get me wrong I'm very particular about everything being very clean but they are old looking and that hurts my reviews because I I get most of my hotel guests from booking.com and uh so some of the some of the people they just because they're old and they're dated do you get quite a few people booking though? Do you have quite a few people that stay? I've been booked. I've been booked solid uh, just about every night since mid-July, I'd say. And I was shocked like September still. But I think part of it has to do with the fact that we have the restaurant here and the restaurant is, is the food is really great. Chef Mitch, who's local guy, um, Mitch Dombrowski, he's my head chef and we're really on the same page for quality. Our food costs are probably a little bit higher than they're supposed to be mm-hmm. because we both want to put out a really good quality product. And we want to make sure that people coming to the restaurant leave feeling that they, they got um, value for the, for what they spent. Mm-hmm. It um, makes a difference. Food costs, it does. And, and like, for instance, I have people here this week from, Caribbean country they're up here for training and they picked us to stay here for you know two nights or sorry five nights for you know two rooms and I'm sure that's off of you know reading their reviews and the fact that we've got a restaurant on site where they can go and do their training and come here and have dinner mm-hmm. you know and then go back, back to the room that's, oh it's definitely a selling that, that has really yeah that's really increased my occupancy rate mm-hmm. and then once the rooms are renovated oh I can't wait I can't wait to have that done with new photos and have it look, you know. Yeah. You should pitch yourself to Netflix for uh, season two of Motel Makeover. They already had the June Motel Girls. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're out in Prince Edward County. They, yeah, uh, I started watching it. I kind of lost interest. It didn't, it didn't move fast enough for no. me. 
<laughs> just gotta pitch that though because like what an interesting story with a historic a historic hotel though like yours and then to kind of see you know maybe maybe get some capital investment funding there too <laughs> to get netflix <laughs> I don't to pay think, for that. no i don't think they do that i was talking to somebody <laughs> who knows them and no no <laughs> Never now they're looking for content that's it mm. Now, Liz, you are part of the Barry's Bay BIA Board of Directors. So I'm interested in learning why it was important for you to join the board. Well, a couple of reasons. Um, one, I needed something in my life outside of work um, so that I would be with peers rather than like all of my relationships here are a little bit skewed because it's people who work for me. So it, it's not a completely equal relationship. So with the BIA, it's all business owners. So I was looking forward to meeting more people in the community who I'd be on an equal footing with. Mm -hmm. um, I've also always done volunteer work. I'm still a member of my Rotary Club back in Peterborough. I think that everyone should give back to the community. Uh, we actually just bought gold sponsorship for the Madawaska Wolves, the hockey team here, the senior A hockey team. Uh, the home opener was on Saturday night which was phenomenal. They won 5-4 in overtime. The place went crazy. <laughs> um, and I also sort of wanted to know what was going on in Barry's Bay. Like being a member of the BIA, I just, I hear more gossip. I hear what's going on, things, yeah. changes, whatnot. And uh, gets me out of the hotel one night every two months. <laughs> and you get to be part of the community that's like revitalizing and making Barry's Bay a place that, that businesses, but also people want to be a part of. Yeah, but remember the BIA, its, its main goals are is beautification of Barry's Bay and uh, promoting Barry's Bay. So, mm -hmm. I mean, like the BIA pays for all of the flowers and all of the, the banners that go up in town. And then we put on uh, Bay Day, which is the May Long Weekend and a couple of other events as well. And of course, events. I love doing events. So I'm right. I was right in there. Sure. I was going to say, this is right up your <laughs> <Sign> alley. <me> up. <laughs> Liz, what's been the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome since going into business yourself and taking over this historic building? Oh, staff. It always comes down to staff and ask any business owner. If they tell you anything other than that, they're lying or they don't have any staff. It's definitely, it's finding good staff. It's keeping good staff. So I've been really lucky with my staffing though, that, um, well, Mitch is in the kitchen. He's mm -hmm. phenomenal. And Victoria came in at the very beginning. She works in the kitchen as well as one of our uh, main cooks. She's great. We've got uh, a young guy who's moved up here to stay with one of the neighbors. And he's actually um, sort of apprenticing under Mitch. And then my front of house, there's like four or five um, people who I hired right from day one who are still with me. We've had a few, a little bit of a turnover but for the most part, everybody who I hired at the very beginning are still here. It's been great. But having, even though that's great and everyone's here, it's still dealing with 14 or 15 people almost on a daily basis. I find really uh, tiring. It's, it's, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. I've never had so many people work for me. The most I've ever had in the past was like three people. And my daughter was one of them. So having, having so many people is, uh, challenging, especially for me, because I don't have, as my daughter says, I don't have a very large emotional battery. I, I get frustrated easily. I suppose like, I don't understand anybody calling in sick an hour before their shift. I would never do that. Mm -hmm. You know, you're sick when you wake up in the morning, why wouldn't you let us know then? Mm -hmm. So we could find somebody to cover you. Yeah rather than sending me a text an hour before you're supposed to turn up. Stuff like that drives me bananas. You're not alone, Liz. I have so many conversations with business owners, both on the podcast, off the podcast, in my DMs on the socials. It's a constant battle. And it's it's been going on for years and years and years. So you're not alone now. Um, but the other struggles though, that you're facing, like, is it, is it in terms of like delegation of responsibilities that you find kind of hard or just people like getting stuff done that you're like, it's like, here's what you have to do. It's not hard. Like, is that kind of one of the struggles? Yeah. Sometimes it's sad. It's like, we've been here a year and like, you know what the closing duties are, you know what the opening duties are. Yeah. I guess doing, doing your job or, looking for stuff to do mm -hmm. um and and there's a 
definite work ethic between people in their 20s and people in their 40s. And I don't know if once you hit 30, something clicks in your brain that changes how you look upon your job. And don't get me wrong, I've got great staff. And I love them. But um, yeah, sometimes I get frustrated by that. And also, none of them know how to do math. I cannot tell you how many times I've got a whiteboard up here and I have actually given math lessons to some of my younger staff to explain to them, how much are you making an hour? Okay, let's see your tips. How much are you making an hour now? And they don't know how to do long division. I, I did a long division um, lesson to one of my staff the other night. Of course, I don't know if they appreciate this or not. I mean, to make them sit there and go through it. <laughs> they, Google, they Google gives us the answers for everything now. <laughs> but you know what it is though, Liz? Like in all honesty, it's the fact that like our business is our baby. Nobody will appreciate it as much as we do. Nobody will put the time, the heart, the soul, the effort in and and give all that love unless you find somebody who is just as passionate as as you are about it. And if you do, hold on tight and pay them well. But <laughs> you're just you're never gonna find somebody or 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 a team of people that are just as passionate about your business as you. No, no, absolutely not. But there is a level of responsibility that comes with being employed and doing your job and doing it, doing it well and, and doing it with pride. Doesn't matter if you're the cleaner or if you're the head chef. Mm -hmm. And Liz, what's one successful change that you've made to your business, whether it be infrastructure, an event that you bought to the Balmoral or a strategic business move that you are super proud of that you're like, I did it and I'm proud of it. And I would do it again. Probably the, the main thing, believe it or not, would be hiring Mitch, somebody local as my head chef. Um, although I don't know if I'd say that that's, I mean, it's not something that, that I did per se. That was just pure luck that he was in a place in his life that he was looking for something new and I needed somebody and we came together because I, I interviewed, I think, four people and, and chose him. Um, and I didn't really consider the fact that he was a local person, but I think that, that I luckily did hire him and with him being local, he has such a knowledge of what people in the area like and enjoy. Mm -hmm. And so he's made, he made, I hired, uh, hired consultants at the beginning and they put together the initial menu. And then Mitch has since tweaked it and tweaked it. And we've dropped a few things and added a few things like, we've dropped our a lot of the summer items and we've brought in more like winter fall kind of items um and for instance mitch mentioned about doing liver having liver on the menu and i was like are you sure and he goes no no that's a huge thing around here and then he came back to me and he goes so i'm thinking about making it elk liver rather than a beef liver or a calves liver and i was like elk liver he says yeah he says, I think that that would be a huge hit because it's just something a little bit different. And so he's found us elk liver and that's going to go on the, the menu. It's not something I would have thought about. And I don't think that that's something that somebody from Toronto or, you know, from a larger city yep. would have thought about either to bring here. Mm -hmm. It sounds like he's really an integral member of your team and that you guys really work together a lot. And the restaurant, like we were talking about, Liz, like that's a huge component of the hotel. Yes, it is. And and we we have we have a respect for each other, mm -hmm. definitely. Um like some of the some of the menu items he's brought brought up or you know, created, and then he makes it for me. And I'm like, how did you think of this? Mm -hmm. Like this was this is like, where did this come from? Mm -hmm. um, it, like he did, uh, we did flatbread and it was, you know, grilled peaches with rosemary and a balsamic and cheese and tomato sauce. And, um, and I was like, peaches, peaches on flatbread, which is basically kind of like a little mini pizza, right? Peaches, delicious. Oh my God. It was so good. I probably had that as my meal every, every third, like twice a week I had flatbread, <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh. Liz, my stomach is rumbling over here. It's almost lunchtime. Like I, 
think you'd have to make a trip <laughs> a trek out to Barry's Bay here and stop by. But in all seriousness, I actually we will. Me and my family will. Like I said, we come we come through Barry's Bay about once uh once every four to six weeks. We go out to go visit my in-laws outside of Toronto. So we'll definitely have to stop by. I look forward to it. Yeah. Have to let me know when you're going to be here. I will. And Liz, who is one local boss, babe, that inspires you that you think everyone should know about? I would have to say it's Allison who owns Gifted Gray right across the street from me. That store is stunning inside. And it's you know, like when I moved up here to Barry's Bay, I didn't expect any great shopping. Um, the other one is, is Val who owns... Oh my God. Talk of the town, mm -hmm. a woman's clothing store, beautiful clothes in there. I mean, it's not a very big store. Gore she, she brings in gorgeous stuff. Allison gifted, great, beautiful stuff in there. It's mm -hmm. just stunning. And both of them, it's, everything's merchandised beautifully. Like they both put so much effort into their businesses. I was really impressed by by you know both of them and when I have friends come up to visit I'll send them to those stores and they'll come back and go Barry's Bay how is it how is in Barry's Bay this phenomenal restaurant and this great shopping and it's like in the middle of nowhere yeah it's a hidden gem there's people behind all of those businesses right that's right and they're all women yes mm -hmm. that's true there's a lot of there's a lot of women in Barry's Bay mm -hmm. who run their own business yep Liz, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to speak with me and be a part of OB Boss Babes. Like I said, I've been wanting to learn more about the hotel and I'm really actually glad that Iris ended up saying no to me and that we waited and, and now this opportunity was presented <laughs> because yeah, you've had such an interesting background and story and this has just been so fun. So thank you. You're very welcome. Anytime. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of OV Boss Babes Podcast. If you like this episode and you want to see more behind the scenes, be sure to give us a follow on OV Boss Babes on Facebook and Instagram. Check out our website for more details about how you can collab and work and be featured on OV Boss Babes Podcast. Along with our brand itself, we're always open to fun collaborative opportunities. And uh, be sure to stay tuned and follow along on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this right now so that you never never miss another episode because we are chock full of boss babes on OB boss babes. So go back in the archives or subscribe so that you never miss another episode for another boss babe feature coming up in the next week.